I come to you today with a very solemn heart. Actually, maybe I should say fear. And I have not felt like preaching to you this message until today. And I believe that God is uh, moving us into different areas. And it is for the express purpose of being ready when the Lord comes. If we miss the rapture, we have missed everything. Everything. And I know that I'm not going to be through at 12 o'clock. Just there's no way. I'm not even going to try. But I want to deal with this matter. And I want to deal with it from my heart. And I've got so much reading I want to do till I'm not going to make you stand. But in the times past, the congregation of Israel stood for hours and hours and hours at the reading of God's Word. My heart aches, and yet I am thrilled. I am troubled, but yet there is joy. And I've got about uh, 40 scriptures. Do you want to stand in honor to it while I read? And I know that I violate the laws of public speaking. I should not let you see tears in my eyes when I read to you. But uh, what comes first is the presence of God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start with Exodus chapter 39. And just read along with me. Don't read out loud. Just let me read. I'll read slow, and I want you to listen to what the Scripture says. The heading at the top of this chapter in my Schofield Bible, you that don't have a Schofield, I feel sorry for you. Uh, But whatever Bible you have, 
the heading at the top of this chapter says the holy, everybody say holy, holy garments for Aaron. And uh, this is the preparation for the ministering of the priesthood. And it reads, then of the blue and purple and scarlet, they made cloths of service to do service in the holy place and made the holy garments for Aaron as the Lord commanded Moses. And he made the ephod of gold, blue, and purple, scarlet and fine twined linen and they did beat the gold into thin plates and cut it into wires to work it in the blue and in the purple and in the scarlet and in the fine linen with cunning work they made shoulder pieces for it to couple it together and by the two edges was it coupled together. And the curious girdle of his ephod that was upon it was of the same according to the work thereof of gold, blue, purple, scarlet, and fine twined linen as the Lord commanded Moses. And they wrought, uh, wrought onyx stones enclosed in ouches of gold, graven as signets, or graven with the names of the children of Israel. And he put them on the shoulders of the ephod, that they should be stones for a memorial to the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses. And he made the breastplate of cunning work, like the work of the ephod of gold, of blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen. And it was foursquare. They made the breastplate double. A span was the length thereof, and a span the breadth thereof, being doubled. And they set it in four rows on the stones. The first row was a sardis, a topaz, and a carbuncle. This was uh, the first row. And the second row was an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. The third row was a ligure, agate, and emelist. And the fourth row was beryl, and onyx, and jasper. And they were enclosed in ouches of gold in their enclosings. And the stones were according to the names of the twelve tribe of Israel, twelve, according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, every one with his name, according to the twelve tribes. And they made up on the breastplate chains at the end of the wreathen work of pure gold. And they made two ouches of gold, two gold rings, and put the two rings in the two ends of the breastplate. And they put the two wreathen chains of gold in the two rings on the ends of the breastplate. And the two ends of the two 
Wreathen chains were fastened in the two ouches and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod before it. And they made two rings of gold and put them on the two ends of the breastplate upon the border of it, which was on the side of the ephod inward. And they made two other golden rings and put them on the two sides of the ephod underneath toward the fore part of it. Over against the other coupling thereof, above the curious girdle of the ephod. And they did bind the breastplate by his rings under the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, that it might be above the curious girdle of the ephod, and that the breastplate might not be loosed from the ephod as the Lord commanded Moses. And he made the robe of the ephod of woven work all of blue and there was a hole in the midst of the robe and the hole of a haberdashon which a band round with a band round about the hole uh, that it should not rend and they made upon the hems of the robe pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet and twined linen. And they made bells of pure gold and put the bells between the pomegranates upon the hem of the robe round about between the pomegranates. A bell, a pomegranate, a bell, and a pomegranate round about the hems of the robe to the hem of the robe to minister in as the Lord commanded Moses. And they made coats of fine linen, woven work for Aaron and his sons, and a mitre of fine linen, and goodly bonnets of fine linen, and linen breeches of fine twined linen, and a girdle of fine twined linen, and blue and purple and scarlet of needlework, as the Lord commanded Moses. And they made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold and wrote upon it a writing like unto the engravings of a signet holiness unto the Lord. Then we read in Leviticus chapter 8 verses 10 through 12, and then verses 33 through 36. And Moses took the anointing oil, everybody say anointing oil, and anointed the tabernacle and all that there was therein and sanctified them. And he sprinkled, sprinkled thereof upon the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all of his vessels, both the lever and his foot, to sanctify them. And he poured of the anointing oil upon the head, upon Aaron's head, and anointed him to sanctify him. Verse 33. And you shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle. Now listen to this of the congregation in seven days until the days of your consecration be at an end. For seven days 
shall you, shall he consecrate you as he hath done this day. So the Lord hath commanded to do to make an atonement for you. Therefore shall you abide at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation day and night, seven days. Keep the charge of the Lord that you die not. Hear that. For so I am commanded. So Aaron and his sons did all things which the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. Leviticus uh, 39. I'm sorry, let's don't go to that. I want Psalms 104, 100 and verse 4. But the false is not necessary to read so much. Perhaps that's part of our problem. We preach from everything but the book. Psalms 100. Listen. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Listen to this. Enter into his gates with thanksgivings and into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all, to all generations. Hallelujah. One last scripture I want to read to you out of Philippians chapter 4 and verses 5 through 9. And here it is. And finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Hallelujah. I want to use for a subject tonight, drawn from this reading today, preparing to come into his presence. And I'm going to preach to you what God spoke to me when I stood 16 feet away from the Ark of the Covenant.
Let's lift our hands and praise him for just a moment. some of the preparation that uh, takes place when a man comes into the presence of God. I want to read in contrast to what I have read what happens when men are not prepared to come into his presence. Chapter 10 of the book of Leviticus. And Nabab, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire. Everybody say strange fire. Strange fire from the Lord had kindled upon the altar of burnt offering, the fire which the care of the priest was to keep burning, Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 12. No commandment had been given how the incense should be kindled. The sin of Nadab and Abihu was acting in the things of God without seeking the mind of God. It was will worship. Colossians 2 and 23, which often has a show of wisdom and humility. And it typifies any use of the carnal means to kindle the fire of devotion and praise. They offered strange fire, the Lord which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Verse 10. And that you may put a difference between holy and unholy and between clean and unclean. 
that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. And Moses spake unto Aaron and unto Eleazar and unto Ithamar, his sons that were left, take the meat offering that remaineth by the offerings of the Lord made by fire and eat it without leaven uh, beside the altar, for it is most holy. And ye shall eat it in the holy place, because it is thy due and thy son's due of the sacrifices of the Lord made by fire, for so I am commanded. The separation of Aaron and his sons to come into the holy place. In order to come into the presence of God, if we had the time for me to read this to you, they had to be washed. They had to be washed a number of times. Everything they touched caused them to have to wash again. Uh, this was not uh, uh, just a plaything. And the men that took it wrong, that saw the fire come out of the altar, filled their censers, and they went to burn incense and offered strange fire before the Lord. And then fire came out of the altar and killed them. You say, well, Brother false God wouldn't do a thing like that. Not in this day and time. So demanding was the presence of the Lord. And so demanding was God and his desire for people to be in his presence or to come into the holy place, it was uh, so demanding that it was a life or death proposition. Two, three years ago, I preached uh, uh, the opening night of the district conference in the Civic Center in Lufkin, and I preached on the danger uh, of danger in the presence of God. But the presence of God has become so common to all of us until we, it really doesn't make a lot of difference what we do or what we think or what we say in the presence of God. Brother Foss, I, I, I disagree with that. Uh, with the service, as, and this does, it did not come on the heels of a prophecy conference. I've been seeking God every week before I talk to you about what I'm going to talk to you about today. I wish every person in this church was here. But this is the day God chose for you and me to hear what he said. Uh... When the presence of God is moving in such a powerful way, 
we think nothing about what we do while this is going on. If you were in the presence of uh, royalty and in the presence of uh, uh, men of our government, the high-standing men of the government, uh, you know, I probably have a picture of myself with uh, Bill Clinton somewhere hid in all of our stuff. He is the president of the United States. And uh, it makes no difference what kind of problems he is having. He is still our president. And uh, I don't want to go into that either. But let me, uh, let me say that if you was in the presence, I, I was at uh, a friend of mine's house yesterday, last evening till about 11 o'clock praying, and there was a picture of this friend of mine and George Bush, and uh, rightly so, he has a right to be proud of that picture. And the reason was because of the honor that he, he has with a former president of the United States. And he said, Brother Foss, I tried to call you. I wanted you to go with me when I had this audience and this opportunity to spend several hours with former President Bush. I said, well, man, I wished you would have got a hold of me. And uh, I just want to ask you some questions here. Do you think that if uh, Bill Clinton or George Bush was in my office sitting there in my presence, that I would just abruptly, with no reason, get up and walk out of their presence? Now, I want you to hear me, what I'm saying. Our honor to the presence of God is at such a low ebb. We have even been guilty of telling jokes while the power of God was so strong. And we was in that presence and something funny happened. And you thought about telling something funny to your neighbor right in the face of Almighty God. Now, I'm telling you what the Lord spoke to me about. I know what we want. I know what we need. I know what we have. I'll bring it home to you in just a little bit. Our presence, uh, our feeling, our reverence about coming into the presence of God, it was such a... a uh, a thing that when God first began to let men come into his presence, they didn't just abruptly walk into it. Moses and Aaron 
had to, uh, Aaron had to be washed. He had to be clean. When Moses went into the presence of God, uh, there had to be a barrier put around the foot of the mountain to keep anybody else from getting close to him. And a cloud came down and the cloud was synonymous to the cleansing. And Moses went through the cloud up the mountain to come into the very presence of God. And God wrote the law and put it on the tables of stone. And there was thunder and there was lightning and there was all of these things. And while Moses was there and God was writing, the people lost their uh, reverence for the Lord, even though they had been called to the foot of the mountain for this very reason. And because Moses was gone longer than they wanted him to be gone, they melted all of their earrings. They took all of their rings off of their fingers. Man, what a collection I'd get if I'd pass the plate and make you take off all your jewelry. And I might ought to do that before the rapture. Hello. Hey, I, I'm, I'm talking to you from my heart. Some of us are becoming so decked out with dinner rings and with uh, all kind of rings. I've always said I didn't think anything wrong was wrong with a wedding band. But all of this other junk, you don't need it. Whew. I told you I wasn't going to be through with this in just a little while. Just wait till I do get into what we're going to talk about. But they took all of that off. And they had drank the water from the rock. They had crossed the Red Sea. They had been given meat when they was hungry. They had seen the presence of God in so many ways. And here, in just a short time, they made out of their gold and out of all of the things that they had, they made a God that they prayed to and said, this is what brought us to where we are. Brother Foss, why are you talking about that? That was their mistake. Are we making the same mistake in the apostolic church today that we are presumptuous about what brings us to where we ought to be? Has the absence of apostolic power in the church caused you to modify your thinking? Has it caused you to want to erect some other image and say this is what we need we can do it another way we can lower our standards we can become a charismatic church we can be void of everything we can walk into his presence and we can say this is what made us what we are we can grow, we can be big, we can have everything, but oh my God, friend, when you lose what God has given to the apostolic church, you'll go to hell in a basket. Yes, sir. 
And that's not what I'm going to preach. Oh, God, help me. The cleansing. Uh, let me come back to that statement. If we go another route, which we are not, there is no intentions. But if we did, it would be synonymous to making a golden calf and dancing around it and saying this is the power and the glory that's made us what we are. And the thing that made you what you are was a church that was built upon a rock. A church that was built upon the foundation that God gave us and the apostles' doctrine. That's the thing that made us what we are. Aaron coming into the presence of God had to be washed. And after being washed, he had to be separated. Separated for 10 days. Why? What was he separated from? He was separated from anything that would contaminate him before he went in to God's presence. It wasn't up to Aaron to make up his mind what contaminated him. Fasten your seatbelts. Uh, why was you kept where you were, Aaron? Why, was it, why did you have to stay at the door of the tabernacle or the door of the temple? What was the purpose? So that you couldn't come in contact with anything that was unclean. He could not come into the holy place if he had been in contact with the dead. Now, this comes under the heading that he could not have been by a cemetery. He could not have been to a funeral. He could not uh, have touched anybody. He could not have shook your hand, if you had touched anybody and you had not been consecrated, he could not have talked with you if you had uh, done anything that caused you to be unclean. A lot of things. Touched a leper, a woman with an issue of blood, uh, just on and on. A man that was having an issue. You couldn't be close to anybody. Aaron, I want you clean because if you come into my place where I'm at and I am holiness 
in the highest degree, you'll die. Even today, now let's, let's talk here. Even today, when Gershon Solomon was coming to our church, I had Sister Anks, and oh, she, uh, she was such a blessing to help me with all these things. And then uh, not only her, but everybody that made this uh, uh, prophecy conference a success. Uh, Sister Anks was the liaison that we had that done took care of the advertising. She was helping me. I said, look, uh, Michelle, try to get a hold of the Jewish community. Find a restaurant. That was kosher. Uh, the man is going to be here. I've got to take care of him. I have got to uh, 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 have things that he can eat. Can you find a restaurant on this side of Houston that serves kosher food? The resounding answer was no. The reason was it was not pure according to the law. And it still isn't as far as the Jew is concerned. If you serve beef and cheese on the same plate. Okay. Uh, let me, let me. Draw it to you. Here we are going to go to lunch about 3 o'clock. Uh, and uh, you're going to order a, um, a piece of beef. Or certainly you wouldn't if you're a Jew order pork. But cheese or any kind of meat on the same plate is so bad that a real Jew, an Orthodox Jew, will destroy the plate and the utensils. They'll never eat out of it again. And if you ate out of it, you become impure. And they have to go and be sanctified by washing and by doing the sacrificial work and whatever they have to do. And that's what this is referring to. We, uh, uh, if, if Aaron come in contact with anybody that had eaten anything unclean, or touched anything unclean, not just the dead, but anything. Ten days before he came in to the presence of God, he would die. Huh. I was told to go. Into the rabbi's tunnel. 
And you that were with me understand that you didn't see any other tour group in that area. They was not allowed. It was a special concession at this time that we were allowed to go in there. And it was described to me where you are to stop. And when you get there, just wait. And God is going to talk to you. And I thought, yeah. You know, uh, I, I took that with a grain of salt. But when I got to that place, everybody went on but about two or three people. One of them was Brother David Brown and Sister Margaret and, and uh, one or two others of you. I don't remember who all was there. But I just leaned over against the gate, the wall. And I never said anything to anybody. I have felt the power of God so strong in my lifetime. I have felt the Holy Ghost. I have felt the grace of God. I, I know what it is to be touched by his presence. Brother Foss, what did you feel? The only thing I can tell you is I felt the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory of God standing where I was. And God spoke to me. Find out what this tunnel was for. What did it do? And if you that was with us walking in that tunnel, we got to some places that uh, it was very, very cramped. It was very narrow. But where you could see, we was way down under the old city. You saw the little cupola at the uh, uh, temple side of the Dome of the Rock. And he told you that this was where the Ark of the Covenant was. We was under there, right under where that little cupola sat. And in that wall, there was stones. I, I, I was... Uh, I was shocked where they had dug away and found the stones. The wall was built out of stones that was about three to four feet high or square. And some of them was as much as 18 feet long. How in this world did they back yonder all oh, 2,000, 3,000 years ago and managed to move. Now, today we got a bulldozer that, uh, you know, hook onto it, take it anywhere it wanted to go. We got cranes that may be able to pick, I've seen them pick up drilling rigs that weighed 86,000 pounds and set them up on top of a platform. But they didn't have that. That tunnel was built in such a way that nobody could get in it. And here in this area over here was Aaron. Here was the priest going through all of the cleansing, going through all of the sanctifying, going through everything they had to go through. And the only place you could traverse between the tabernacle and where you are is in this tunnel. 
The reason for it was to protect the cleanliness and the sanctity of the priesthood. I hope I can uh, make this plain to you. It was for their protection. You know, if, if I walked into the auditorium and I had been alone with God and God had just blessed me and I didn't care to come in here this morning. I knew I needed to teach the Sunday school lesson, but I had a capable teacher, and I appreciate it. I told him, I don't know when I'll come in. I've got some things I need to work out in my mind. And it, but uh, the minute I walk in, you think nothing. Brother Hugh thinks nothing of telling me, Brother Foss, how are you? I love you. I pray for you every day. You're my friend. He, he doesn't think anything about that. I would go, here would come a child and grab me by the leg and want me to lean over and hug them. The priesthood, after they was cleansed and after they were sanctified, could not be touched by anybody. They had to be pure. Hence came the tunnel. The, uh, and the purpose of it was to keep uh, those men that were going into the holy place and into the presence of God, keep them where they would not die. Brother Foss, but God don't deal with us that way. We're in the New Testament. Yes, he does. And the closer we get to the apostolic church, the more you're going to see it. Do you know why Ananias and Sapphira died? Why did they die? They kept something that wasn't theirs, and they lied to the Holy Ghost. They lied to who? The Holy Ghost. They lied to God. When you're filling out them little white slips, and you mark it ties, and you haven't paid your ties, it's just part of it. You're doing the same thing that Ananias and Sapphira done. You still want an apostolic church? Do you still want power to raise the dead? Do you still want power to heal the sick? Do you want power to where we could walk up to Brother Hawk and tell him, rise and walk, Brother Hawk, and leave that cane alone? Bethel, we are at an apex. And either we're going to go on or we're going to begin to digress. And I refuse to digress. I refuse to do it. 
I refuse, I refuse to begin to lose what God has given to us. That's only one aspect, and I'm not preaching tithing to you, but you really need to study what you're doing when you, when you tell God something. Because if we come into the uh, fruition of an apostolic church, everybody is going to be pure in the presence of God. Come on, somebody say something. Don't leave me standing here like this. Right. Going to be, going to be, going to be. You're going to get your statements in a few days. Look at them and see if you've been truthful with God. And that, that doesn't matter to me. That's up to you. But the, the tunnel was for uh, protection of the priest. The veil, there is a difference in us now and what it was Back in uh, two or 3,000 years ago, there was a veil in the temple that nobody was allowed in that veil into that presence uh, uh, at all. But when the sun drew a veil over its face, when the creator of the world was hanging on a cross and the earth began to quake, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom, and it opened up the holy place for anybody that wanted to go in there. But you've got to be careful how you go into his presence. You've got to be careful how you go into it. And yet it's open to you. If you pay the price it is the greatest blessing in the world. But if you don't pay the price, you'll die. Now, Brother Foss, how am I going to die? Am I just going to fall over and quiver and I'll be dead? No. You are dealing now in the spiritual realm. When you continually come into the presence of God and your heart's not like it ought to be, you'll get to the place that you can't feel his presence. You're operating just out of habit. You're operating just because you know you ought to. But I want this church to come back to the place that they reverence the power. They reverence the glory. They reverence God. So I don't do anything unless I feel like it ought to feel. I'm not preaching to you out of habit. I'm not preaching today out of habit. But if we're going to be the apostolic church, we must prepare ourselves to come into the presence of God and I just got, uh, I didn't get into the holy place. I didn't get to touch the ark. I was just getting close enough to it that I could feel a different kind of spirit than I ever felt. Bethel Tabernacle, if we can find our rabbi's tunnel, if we can find our sanctification, if we can find our washing, and we can stay uncontaminated and come into his presence, there's no telling what God is going to do in this place.
While I stood there, he talked to me about his plan. It's not for everybody. But he said to me, we have contact with the contaminated things all day, with dead men in sin. Before we come into his presence, we need a cleansing. Can I say that today is going to mark a change in Bethel Tabernacle? Before we come to worship, we need to be in a prayer room or we need to be at these altars. We need to be somewhere and get a washing and get a regeneration, get a moving of his spirit, and then come into his presence. When you get there, you're going to feel something you have never, ever, ever felt before. We cannot operate in the supernatural and remain carnal. How can you come from the job? All right, hear me. And nobody better not censor you for it. How can you come from the job around men or women with a filthy mouth, shaking hands, rubbing shoulders, and with people all day that their thoughts was bad and they were dirty? How do you think you can just suddenly walk in the door and not bow a knee? Not pray, not do anything. Just walk in and feel like you're fit to walk into the presence of God. I'm saying that we need to make up our mind when we come in the door. If you don't want to go to the altar, kneel at your pew. If you don't want to go to the prayer room, go do something. Pray. Let's make prayer the centerpiece of this church. Let's make it where when men walk in those doors, the power of God slaps them in the face and they know I have come into God's presence. Brother Tennyson, try it. Nobody better not say anything. You come in and you're going to sit out here. Brother Forkham, Sister Steffi, don't think anything about getting down on your knees for just a little while and letting the blood come over you and tell God, wash me. Tell God to sanctify me. God, make me fit to worship you. Make me fit to come in and feel your presence and walk with you, rub shoulders with you, and be of a kindred spirit. Hey, church, if I've ever preached to you today the plan of God, he said my house would not be a house of questions. It wouldn't be a house of fellowship. It would be a house of prayer. Lift up your hands for just a minute. I'm not through. Just lift up your hands. We're in such alignment with God's word. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. 
I want this church operating in the supernatural in such a way that miracles become normal. I want men, when they come to this altar, they cannot fail to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost because the Spirit is going to draw them. I want men and women to come in here when they have been contaminated by the charismatic move of this world. They feel a tugging. They feel a moving of the apostolic power. Come back. Come back. Come back. Don't stay where you are. It's still real. It's still right. It'll still save you. Don't die because of spiritual contamination. Oh, God. Oh, God. I want you to honor me. You got something to talk to me about. Please don't come in just before church and say, I need to talk to you. I want to have that time that I can spend alone with God. Brother Prentice Smith was in the office with me and I was discussing some other things. And I had talked to him about in studying uh, this, uh, uh, something I had always preached all my life. I found that it wasn't the word of God. It means it all right, but I've quoted it in scripture and it wasn't scripture. And in a few minutes, things got quiet. Brother Prentice said, Brother Foss, I need to leave you. I need to leave you for a minute. I wouldn't have told him to go for anything in the world. But, oh, God, I wanted to be where I could walk into this pulpit with clean hands, a right spirit, and be sure that I was where God wanted me to be. I'm asking you to honor me. Don't come in there with your problems just before I come into church. After church, okay, but not before. Don't come in just to speak to me. Don't come in just to see me. If the door open and you stick your head in I'll motion to you if it's alright if I don't honor me in what I'm asking you I'm trying to find my rabbi's tunnel When we become an apostolic church, our prayer rooms on Sunday evening will not hold the people. People will be praying in the altars. There will be a hush over this audience. There will be a powerful mist that's going to fill this place. I trust that it will come to the place that when I come out or when I'm up here or whoever's here that we can't even minister because God's power is so strong.
you need to organize your life to a point that you let God have a little bit of time. You can't come here in the middle of the service and not take time to go to the prayer room or come to the altar. If you come in late, the balcony is not a haven. Oh, I wanted to go up in the balcony the other night. There were some children up there that I wanted to wring their necks. Your kids can't play just because they're in the balcony. This is the house of God. This is the presence of God. You can't sit up there and jabber and talk to everybody around you and thumb your nose at the presence of God that's going on down here. Somebody say amen. Somebody say hallelujah. Some of you teenage boys, uh, you must have kidney trouble. You make two or three trips out of this church every night. If that's the case, I believe that I have enough apostolic power. If you let me stay in the tunnel, I can pray for you and you won't have to insult God by walking out of the doors. If circumstances say that you can't get here in time to go and pray, I'm asking you, for the sake of end time revival and apostolic power, when you come in, just kneel down in that pew and ask God, wash me, wash me, make me clean. I want to minister in your presence. I want to worship you. Do you think that God wants your praise from dirty hands? Does he enjoy your praise from a dirty mind? I realize that men have abused the power of God, but we're not going to abuse it here. When God opens blind eyes, you're not going to say when Brother Foss prayed, you're going to say, God, open the blinded eyes. When the lame begin to walk, you're not going to say when Brother Foss come and laid his hands on me, I felt power go through me and I was able to get up and walk. You don't give nobody. The Lord said, I will not allow my glory to be shared with anybody. Give it to him. Let him know that I love you. I love you more than anything. It's too late in life for me to try to impress somebody. If I haven't impressed you by now, honey, you just can't be pressed. Walking into the supernatural. I don't even feel worthy, Brother Patton, to do what I'm doing this morning. But I'm charting out a new course for this church. A new course. Brother Foss, do you really believe that God's going to make the way for us to do what you're praying about? If you get what you need from God, 
I could invite you to come and look at the report. Look at uh, the whole financial year. It's been the greatest year we've ever had. But at least, at least 35% of the people in this church are not paying their tithes. If everybody would come into the apostolic move of God's presence, there would be enough to build anything that we wanted to build. We're going to need, and I've got the plans that you asked me for. I want to give them to you. We're going to build, friend. We're going to build. But I refuse to build an auditorium that seats less than 2,000 with capabilities of expanding Hey, call me crazy if you want to, but I'm going to stay in the rabbi's tunnel. You're not going to contaminate me. You're not going to dump your garbage on me. You're not going to pour it all over me. I am going to go into a place that I can't be polluted. I don't want to hear your gossip. I don't want to hear your negative approach. I don't want to hear what you think is wrong. I just think about things that's right. Whatsoever things are right. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are good. Hey, that's what you want to think about. Forget all of this other junk. It doesn't matter who does what to win. Just let it alone. You get in the rabbi's tunnel and don't let it contaminate you and you walk into the presence of God clean and pure and lift up holy hands in the holy place. Coming into his presence with the blood applied. Every musician Every choir song. You know, uh, somehow I don't know what I'm going to have to do, but I have begged and I have pled to the powers that be, whoever they are. Who's going to face God with youth choir robes hanging back there that's never used? Who is it? Are you willing to face him saying, we don't want a youth choir and your youth is dying? They're dying. Who is it that's going to face God that we can't move somebody? Brother Foss, are you planning on making some changes? Yes, we'll make some changes. But if you're involved, it's not because you're wrong. Maybe it's because we see where we can gain momentum by making changes. The apostolic church was constantly changing all the time. Uh, go, to the, go to their conferences and listen to those apostles differing with each other. But they hammered out a solution. We're going to do that. Our leadership meetings are going to hammer out some things. And I want it to be done from the rabbi's tunnel. Not from earthly desires. I have a word for you, son. The storm you've been in was ordered of God.
The sun's going to shine again. But there's no other way could he break you to serve. But he knew what to do. And I close. The Lord broke me one time. I don't want him to break me again. After I received the phone call that Daryl was killed, I drove up to where they told me how much blood and how gory it was and where it happened. And I drove to where it was. And I remember getting down on my hands and knees. Brother Patton, I rubbed my hands in the grass. I tried to find some of that blood. I couldn't find it. And it kind of gave me hope. Well, maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it didn't happen. But when I came out, when I came out of the darkness of the storm, three months later, I come out a man that was broken. A man that knew how to preach conviction. A man that knew how to preach to people with a heart, a shepherd's heart. I don't want to get away from that. God, please, just let me go to the rabbi's tunnel. Let me stop right up against the holy place. Talk to me. I'll listen. I'm washing my hands today of that one message. I have one more that came with me from the Holy Land that I'll be preaching to you before long. But it'll only be when God tells me it's all right. But today, I'm washing my hands. I'm washing my soul. I'm washing my mind. I don't know what else to do, but just tell you I'm through.